Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of uncertainty. Yeah, um, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of the future, because you, you and me don't know what the future holds for us. And because we don't know what tomorrow looks like, it's very natural to be afraid. But the thing is, the fear of uncertainty steals the joy of today, doesn't it? Uh, if you think about it, most of us are either living in the regrets of the past, what could have been, right? Or we are scared of what could be, right? Either we are living in the regrets of the past or we are scared of what can happen to us. And either ways, we don't enjoy what the Lord has for us today. Isn't that true? You know, with the Israelites, when the Israelites were moving to the promised land in the wilderness, God tells them, hey, you know what? I'm giving you manna, but it's for each day. You're not allowed to store for the next day. Only on the, you know, only on the Friday they could store for the next day because it was a Sabbath. But other than that, they could not store. Why? So that you don't live your life based on your past experiences, nor live your life based on the fear of the future, but you keep trusting me and you enjoy what you have today. Do you know that when God revealed himself to Moses, he said, I am who I am. I am who I am. He did not say, I am who I was or I am who I will be. He said, I am who I am. He's basically saying, I am the God of present. You know, the moment that you have right now is all that you have. And if we are going to dwell in our past or be scared of the future, we are going to lose this moment and lose the joy of spending that moment with the Father. Am I, am I relating with you guys? Do you relate with me? You know, like I, I find myself, okay, I am being honest here, I find myself so scared about the future or I find myself thinking and planning and dreaming and so much that I don't live the present. My wife has to remind me, hey, are you here? Like, we, we don't know to be present. We don't know to be in the moment. And so today I want to talk to you about the fear of uncertainty because if, if you guys are not married, your, your fear is, will I ever get married? And if you are married, your, your fear is, will the spark continue? You know, there's, there's always this fear of uncertainty. If you don't have kids, when will you have kids? If you have kids, what education will I give them? Is it CBSE, ICSE? This, there's always the fear of future. There's always the fear of uncertainty. Will I marry the right person? Or the person whom I married continues to be the right person? Is this career relevant? Will I get the promotion? Or, you know, will the boss continue to have favor upon me? Like, we constantly have these questions lurking in our minds and because of which we're constantly thinking about the future and we remain afraid today. You know, I remember the time when um, I just got the results of my 10th standard. Somehow I passed God's grace. And when I got the results of my 10th, that's when it hit me. Said, Sam, what are you going to do in life? I didn't know. 
till then i was playing football i was you know playing music and i was living my life now suddenly everybody is like are you going to take the science stream commerce stream humanity stream i don't know i don't know what to do i remember i couldn't sleep that night because i was like my goodness what am i supposed to do so i took a diary and i started writing you know, can i become a merchant navy i don't know uh, can, can i can i can i become an engineer it doesn't look like it i i was an above average student you know in school so the pressure of having everything figured out do you feel the pressure of having everything figured out and you know what the thing is we all think that somehow we have figured it out right so we want to hold it or hold it together oh you know what i i'm going to do this i'm going to plan 10 years 15 years 20 years oh six months down the line and you know this is all being held by me you know i'm holding all of this together so if anything moves out of place you know i'm going to lose control can you relate to that or am i the only person yeah the pressure of having everything worked out the pressure of having everything figured out you know and it feels like everybody else has figured out their lives you know i was talking to somebody on the last week and uh she was saying but bhaiya it feels like your life is figured out and i'm like no i'm confused i don't know and it just feels like everybody else's life is figured out but we are all on the same journey fear of uncertainty what may happen tomorrow i want i want to read this verse for you If you are somebody who is struggling with the fear of uncertainty, Isaiah fifty-five verse eight: For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thought than your thoughts. The Lord is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen to that. <laughs> You know what when I was preparing this sermon I was thinking about in my life any good thing that has happened to me has happened to me because it fell outside my plans any good thing okay whatever i have planned it is always something that i have regretted any good thing that has happened to me has happened outside my plan you know i got married to betty decided that in like 20 minutes or 15 minutes Okay. the best decision of my life the best decision of my life choosing engineering man every good thing that has happened to me has happened to me not because i plan and you know what i still plan i still make five years plan i'm still thinking long term i'm still making goals but i am so grateful that god's thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways and jeremiah 29 verse 11 for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord his thoughts are not your thoughts but see look at his thoughts my plans for you are for welfare for prosperity not for evil to give you a future and a hope god has good thoughts for you he has good plans for you he has good dreams for you Isn't that amazing we have such a good father who is mindful of us who loves us who has dreams for our lives who has plans for us and we are holding on to our puny little plans and dreams and goals compared to his grand vision 
and we don't want to let go because we are living in this bubble created by us that we are holding on. Yo, we are holding this together. And I like it, you know, sometimes when God just comes in, pops that bubble and then everything just falls out. Such a divine moments. So, thankfully, uh, 10th standard, that night I could not sleep. The next morning I spoke to my tuition teacher. He said, you know, son, just go for science stream. If that is available for you, go for science stream because everything else will be, you know, you'll figure out later. I said, okay. Finally, one good advice. So I, I took science stream. 11th, 12th, when my friends were preparing for IIT, I did not care because I could not do that. I could not spend hours and hours of preparing for entrance. So I had to do this one entrance exam. And I remember I just went there. I was so chill, relaxed. I was doing A, B, C, D, then making another maybe D, C, B, A this time, then doing another pattern. I was so chill, OK? I did not prepare for IIT, prepare for anything. I was just chilling. I was so cool, enjoying my life. And then 12th board's results come. I, I pretty much did good. But then the question again, what are you going to do? And I have no idea what I'm going to do. So in the back of my mind, you know, when I was in 11th and 12th, when I would meet these tuition teachers and, you know, hear them talk, you know, these people made a lot of money. So I was like, you know what, if I can't become an engineer doctor, I'll become a tuition teacher. They make a lot of money. I don't have to study so much like the engineers do. I can make a lot of money. So I was grooming myself to do BSc physics or maths and just become a tuition teacher and just make a lot of money. That was the plan. Okay. Now, what happens is, you know, this entrance exam that I gave, these guys call me. Uh, not, they don't call me, they call my dad and they say, you know what, uh, we have one seat left for computer science engineering and we would like to give it to your son. If you're interested, please pay the money by today and confirm the seat. Now my dad calls me on the phone because he's in his office, he calls me on the phone and he says, Sam, you know, those people have accepted your examination, you know, you, you passed that entrance. I'm like, wow, the patterns work, nice. You've passed the entrance exam, and one seat is ready. They are asking me to pay the money now. You know, that decision I made in 30 seconds. I was, I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and no plans for engineering. No plans whatsoever, because I never thought I had it in me to do engineering. Did you, did you know that? And here I was at a crossroad of my life, my dad is expecting me to make a decision in 30 seconds, and I made it. I said yes. And then for two months, you know, I made that decision, and then in two months' time, I have to report to the college. Those two months, I was depressed. You know why? Because I was like, what did I just do? For the last two years, I was planning BSc physics, BSc maths. What did I just do? This was not in the plan. This was not in the agenda. And on top of it, I'm like thinking, how are my parents going to afford this education? It's not IIT government, it's, it's private. How are they going to afford this? I'm like so depressed. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is, I passed out in 2010, okay? This is like 11 years later. Now when I look back and I see the hand of the Lord upon my life, 
every single thing every single thing that has happened my goodness the opportunities the doors that god has opened up for you that falls beyond our plans my goodness praise god to that praise god to a praise god to a father whose thoughts are not our thoughts whose plans are not our plans and he thinks beyond all of that and he say hey will you trust me will you just relax will you trust me those two months of depression that was my choice it was my choice i could have just simply trusted the father and say oh you know you have everything figured out let me just trust you but i chose to strive i chose to take the stress of it i chose to be depressed about it finally i am an engineer god's grace think about that every time guys i'm i'm telling you i i don't know what your struggle is could be marriage it could be career it could be education money anything but can you believe that the father has good thoughts for your life he has good dreams for your life his plan is to prosper you his plan is so that you can enjoy life you can enjoy life because life is having a relationship with him enjoying life with him my goodness do you know it 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 brings a smile to the father when you are enjoying your life blissfully when you are stress free absolutely stress free and you are enjoying your life that brings more pleasure to the father than you coming to church and you like i don't know how tomorrow will happen think about it what brings more joy to the father that was just the introduction okay so come with me to romans chapter 12 verse 2 do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect now i just want you to read that verse from um let's do it reverse okay so if you do it reverse paul is talking about the will of god discern what is the will of god do you see that discern what is the will of god what is good acceptable and perfect now say with me the will of god for me is good acceptable and perfect come on you you're not convinced the will of god for my life is good acceptable and perfect i may not understand what god is doing but the thing is the will of god for my life is good acceptable and perfect do you know there'll be never a perfect time for you to get married there will never be a perfect time for people to have children there will never be a perfect time you and me have to understand that the will of god is good acceptable and perfect and trust him for who he is now here's the thing Paul says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing God wants you and me to test his will that is good acceptable and perfect he wants you and me to test his will he is like hey test my will test my plans that i have for you test my you know goals that i have for you test my dreams and you will approve that my plans for you is good acceptable and perfect but do you know what only a renewed mind can test god's plans and discern that his plans for us is good 
acceptable and perfect. Only what? Only a renewed mind. If our minds are not renewed, we'll always be, what will happen tomorrow? I don't know. What did I just do? I could not even pass that test. I could not even pass that exam. What is going to happen to me tomorrow? Will I get the promotion? Will I, will I be able to do this? But a renewed mind will be able to test and approve that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, this is a very simple test for you. If right now, for any reason, you are afraid, if right now, for any reason, you are not convinced in your heart that God has good plans for your life, you're not convinced about your tomorrow, that means your mind is not renewed. It's a simple test. Good? Good enough? Because a renewed mind will always say that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, there was, I, I used to take Sunday school in my parents' church, and I was teaching them from Romans 12 too, and suddenly it hit on me that Psalm 73, when asked Asaph, Asaph, the worship leader in David's court, when he's writing Psalm 73, you know, he begins the Psalms complaining. He says, oh Lord, look at the wicked, look at the evil people, they are always prospering, this is happening, that is happening. Why, why, why aren't you doing anything about it? Okay, he's complaining. And that morning, one verse that stuck out to me was verse 16 and 17, I'll read it for you. It says, but when I thought how to understand this, when I thought how to understand what is happening around me, especially during these times of corona, during these times of economic depression. When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Can you relate? It seemed to me a wearisome task. How can I understand? What, what are you trying to do in through all of this? And then he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. It is when you and me enter the sanctuary of God, that's when the bulb lights up and we're like, oh man, the will of God for my life is good, acceptable and perfect. I don't care. Corona, no corona, economic depression, loan, debt, I don't care about all of that. When I enter the presence of God, when I come in contact with God's presence, then I understand. What is happening? Renewal of the mind. Are you scared about the future? Are you afraid of what uncertainty lies ahead? You can renew your mind by meeting your creator. The moment you come in touch with the father, the moment you encounter his love, encounter his goodness, my goodness, you are like, oops, this is what is happening. All is well. <laughs> All is well. God's will for my life is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, it's not a surprise when Romans 12, verse 2, just before that, verse 1, Paul talks about spiritual worship. He talks about spiritual worship, then he talks about renewal of the mind, then he talks about God's will. Do you see the flow? Spiritual worship, renewal of the mind, God's will. So if you want to know whether God's will for your life is good, acceptable, and perfect, you need to have a renewed mind. And for you and me to have renewed mind, you need to do spiritual worship. 
Now, come back to verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a spiritual worship. You know, worship is a great tool for us. It's a great medium by which we can allow God to transform our hearts. Allow God to cleanse this mind, detox this mind, so that we can approve, in spite of what is happening, we can approve that God's will for my life is good, acceptable, and perfect. But I want to ask you, what is worship? Worship is not just music and songs. You know, every time worship has occurred in the Bible, in fact, the first time worship is mentioned is, is mentioned in Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham tells his servants, you know, wait here, I've, me and my son will go, we will worship the Lord and we will come back. That's the first time worship, the word worship is mentioned. Worship in the Bible is always associated with sacrifice. And over here, verse 12 verse 1, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Worship is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Sacrificing what is important to you. Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. How many of you think God is not interested in your money? Let me tell you, God is very much interested in your money. You know why? Because your heart is there and he's after your heart. Worship has to do with sacrifice. Worship has to do with sacrifice. Why should you worship? Why should you worship? You remember the whole revelation, the picture of revelation where you see God the Father sitting on the throne and the angels around him saying, Holy, 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 are you Lord God Almighty? You know, when I used to think about that, I was like, man, what a boring job. Think about it. Like, they don't, they don't even get to, you know, take a break. Father, can I take five minutes break, <laughs> come back and do this again? No, it felt like such a boring thing, right? Why, why, why do they worship? You know what? They don't worship out of compulsion. They don't worship because that is what they are supposed to do. You know why they worship? It's because every time they see God, they see a new aspect that they have never seen before. And they're like, holy, holy, holy are you God. Because the meaning of holiness is to be set apart. The meaning of holiness is to be unique. I'm saying the angels have been worshipping God throughout eternity because every moment they would see a unique, a unique aspect about God. And they're like, my goodness. Why do we worship? We don't worship out of compulsion. You know, a lot of people think that God created you and me. God created humans so that humans can worship Him. But what a narcissistic person. Think about it. Huh? If, if you were, you know, if you found some parents who were talking to themselves, oh, let's have children because the maid is too expensive. What would you say? Man, they need therapy. 
and we believe that god created us so that we could worship him now i'm not saying that we we are not called for worship i'm not saying that but what i'm saying is that is not the reason why god created you god created you so that he could cherish you so that he could you know he could love you so that he could you could become the objects of his love that's why god created you you know it's like this picture that i have is um the father comes back from work and this girl gets very excited to see the father and as soon as the father comes home the father picks up the girl and you know they're both dancing that's the perfect picture of worship and the father is cherishing the girl cherishing his daughter and the daughter is enjoying the embrace of the father worship out of compulsion means you're still believing that you're a slave worship cannot be out of compulsion true worship true worship is an automatic response did you know that you and me cannot even initiate worship we cannot initiate anything with god he is always the initiator true worship is an automatic response in knowing who god is it just happens automatically you see him worship just flows out automatically you don't have to strive for worship or oh, you know what today i'm going to pray for like 10 hours and 15 minutes later you're done it's a very some task but you know what you encounter the father you will never stop praising him you encounter his love you will never stop speaking about him true worship is an automatic response you don't have to strive for it you don't have to sit there and grind 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 thinking that you know something will open up from heaven and you know you'll you'll feel so anointed true worship is an automatic response in knowing who the father is so why do you worship we worship not out of compulsion we don't worship out of fear we worship out of honor we worship out of knowing that he is good knowing that he loves us knowing that he cares for us knowing how amazingly he you know how amazing he is that's why we worship you know in uh, in the in the tabernacle of moses you know when they would worship there were three sections to the tabernacle there was the outer courts there were the holy place and the most holy place remember that in the outer courts everybody could gather because uh, the outer courts were known for praise so they would celebrate it was a time of praise it in the holy place only the priests could enter and they would worship god but in the most holy place only the high priest could enter once a year and you know why they would enter because they have moved from praise to worship to glory you know why we worship we worship to experience the glory of god which means to experience the presence of god we worship to experience the presence of god we don't worship to make us feel good we worship to experience the presence of god okay so why do we worship we worship to experience the presence of god what is worship worship is always associated with sacrifice now the question is how can we worship how can how can you do what paul is saying here in verse 1 12 verse 1 to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god how on earth do you do that offer yourself a living sacrifice on top of it holy and acceptable to god how do you do that ask abraham how do you do that when he is 
climbing up the mountain with his son. The son that he's been wait, he's waited for like 25 years of his life, right? Right from Genesis 12 when God said, you know, come out, follow me. That son, that son of promise, like think about what, what was going in through Abraham's mind, man. God, I waited for so many years and now you're asking me the same, to sacrifice the same son? But he did it. He did it without... He did it without any regret. It feels like he did, he did it without even complaining. He just, he just goes up to the mountain. What, I'm, I'm asking you, what empowered him to do that? What empowered him to go up that mountain with his son? Thinking in his mind that I am going to sacrifice his son. I'm telling you, if God hadn't said that, he would have killed his son. What empowered him? You know what empowered him? If you read from Genesis verse 12, sorry, Genesis chapter 12, if you read from that, that passage till Genesis 22, do you know how many times Abraham failed and do you know how many times God came back to him with grace and say, hey, I restore my promise to you. Do you know how many times he did that? More than six, seven times. God said, get out of that house, don't take anybody with him. He took Lot. God still came up, restored his promise as soon as Lot left him. Then Abraham has you know, a child with Hagar. God comes back to him, gives him another promise. Then he lies about his wife, he gives another promise. He lies about his wife again, I don't know how, how you do that. God restores him with another promise. Every time Abraham fails, you'll see this pattern. God comes back to him with another promise. You think you have failed him because of the disobedience, because you did not trust God enough. Let me tell you that God has another promise waiting for you Amen. to restore you. He's reminding you. His promise is more specific this time. A better promise. A better promise. I'm thinking, you know, this is what Abraham was thinking. He was going up the mountain and he's thought through. Man, God called me when I was 75 years old. I'm about 120 now. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. My goodness, he's been faithful. How can I not trust a God who has been faithful, who has, who has a track record of being faithful? You know how you and me can worship God? Come back, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. In some translations it says, in view of God's mercy. That's the key right there. When you and me see the goodness of God in your life, you cannot stop worshipping Him. Worship comes out automatically. True worship is an automatic response in knowing who God is. True worship is an automatic response in just remembering the goodness of the Father in your life. I want to challenge you, if you are afraid of your future, if you're afraid of what is kept ahead for you, I want to challenge you to become that mad explorer like Christopher Columbus, you know, who went looking for India and he uh, discovered the America. Uh, I'm saying, be a mad explorer. Look back into your life and see the goodness of the Father. And I'm challenging you. You cannot get back without being grateful. Look at the goodness of the Lord in your life. 
you, you don't have to see the future to know how it will turn up. Look, look back into your past and see how, how has it turned up. Where were you 10 years ago? Where were you 15 years ago? Was the Lord faithful? You know, I, I, I do maintain a journal, uh, just writing down ramblings and you know, random stuff. And now and then when, I, when, I, when I'm scared about the future of what holds out for me, especially when I'm scared of man, how am I going to pay the rent of this building? How am I going to pay the electricity bill? When I'm scared of that, I go through that journal and I see of all the times earlier where I had mentioned, Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I see that all of them has been paid on time, never missing a due. And I'm saying, if you and me could just continuously stay in the goodness of the Father, my goodness, how free our life would be. How stress-free our life would be. We won't be so anxious. We won't be so holding this, you know, trying to figure this out altogether, trying to hold this out altogether and figuring out patterns and, no, just let go. The Father's got it. He's got good plans for you, good thoughts for you. Come on. Will you close your eyes today and just remember the goodness of the Father in your life. He is extremely good. He has always been good. Look back into your life. Think about all those moments where you thought this, it was impossible. It was impossible. But the Father came through. He showered His love upon your life. His goodness has, has brought you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we want to, we want to get lost in your presence. We want to get lost in your presence. Ha, drown in your love. You have filled us with your grace. Thank you, Father, for reminding us today that you are a good, good Father. And every perfect gift comes from you. So, Father, today, in spite of making the choice of being afraid, we make the choice of finding our hope in you knowing that you are good, knowing that you will always continue to remain good, even when I do not understand what is happening. Even when we do not understand what is happening. Father, I, we will continue to trust in you. Thank you for leading us with such gentleness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.